I don't know. To, I don't know how to feel right now. <laughs> I'm not sure. Okay. I was liking that song we were singing that said, "My words are weak." Isn't that what it said? One of the lines. My words are weak, or maybe I'm weak. <laughs> Both. Yay. Amen. Look, the Lord's good, isn't He? Robert's a great guy, y'all. He really is. He's a he's an encourager. He's definitely very prophetic because he encourages people. So it's kind of like Barnabas in the Bible. You know what Barnabas means? Son of encouragement, right? We need those people to keep us focused and reminding us. Seems like every, uh, I don't know about you, but every Sunday I come to church and there's something wrong with me. You know, that's how I feel. There's just something wrong with me, Lord. And I come and in the worship, it's like God, it's like going to the chiropractor almost. He realigns my heart. Amen. I just love that. I'm so thankful for the worship uh, team and the people who do that and uh, and just ushering in the presence of the Lord to get realigned with the heart of God. And to me, that's what gathering together is all about. It's, it's about connecting with the heart of, of our Heavenly Father and what's in His heart. Because we were created to be in that heart, to live in that heart. I don't do so well living outside that heart. I don't know about you, but I do quite bad at it these days, you know. And I can always tell when I feel like I'm just not in alignment with his heart. It just I just feel a little bit off and, and, and making uh, people around me feel miserable. <laughs> I'm sure you don't do that, do you? Well, I have this great hope for the church. Uh, I really do. I feel occasionally... Uh, this thing I feel, you know, there's that the dream in God's heart for church in this age, every once in a while I feel like I, I feel that dream. I feel it that that's going to happen in my lifetime. And I've had that dream uh, basically since I've been saved. It was a dream that God put in my heart back in the 1970s, which doesn't seem that long ago to me. And it seemed quite like a good decade you know, I got saved then, so it was a great decade, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit and got introduced to to know, beginning to know the Lord and walk with the Lord. But there's something in the Lord's heart, y'all, that's beyond what we've experienced. You know, we may have touched on it here and there over the years. That's really it. We've touched it a little bit here, a little bit, but there's something more that God is going to do. And I feel in this time we're in, as, as troubling as this time has been, right? It's, this has been a troubling time. And you know what? We have made it more troubling than it needs to be, don't you think? Just some of the way we... But that's humanity, right? We're messy. You know, God knew we were. You're going to make a mess. It's a mess. You're going to make it worse. <laughs> but it's okay. I knew you were. I knew you were going to make some more messes, but okay, I've already, I have a plan for that, for your messes. And don't you love how gracious God is and how he understands that we do some dumb things because we ain't God, you know, and, and we're going to make some mistakes, but he knows, knows all that and he's right there with his grace and mercy if we will respond to him. Amen. Hey, you know, I had this word for somebody I wanted to give them. It's the Butler's. Oh, yeah. I feel like, this is what I feel like the Lord told me about the Butlers, in particular, the Butler mama there, okay? God is going to give, there's a business for you. And I don't know if you've ever thought about business, but I felt like the Lord showed me about you that he was going to give you some kind of business and really prosper you. And you were, you were going to be able to prosper other people. So I don't know how that works out. I would, that's just not, that would just came from the Lord. I believe it's the heart of the Lord for you. And I wanted to tell you that. And I know y'all are very family-oriented, which I love. I love that. And I, lo- I love your hearts towards family. And, uh, and I believe you're going to actually bless your family, your, your natural family and the family of God. So I just pray that, Lord. Let's just reach out your hands to the Butlers. And let's just say, Holy Spirit... We just ask you to, this is a seed that I just spoke, that I believe you are planting, and I pray you would water it and bring it forth at the right time in the name of Jesus. Years ago, your your parents received a word from Larry Randolph, quite a long word. I was talking to 
your mom about that. I think maybe in that word, there was something that was released then. So, so I don't know. That's all I know. I'm just telling you what I believe. Okay? And if, if I'm wrong, slap me. <laughs> okay? Just slap me. You know? Because I don't think I'm wrong, though. Or I wouldn't have said it. All right, so I just believe this dream of God about the church, y'all, we're going to get through this and we're going to be better than we've ever been because God is trying to birth something in people. And I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. Like I said, we've touched it and felt it at different times in our life. And, but I just have this hunger in me for that. I have a hunger to do that so much. I mean, really, that's one of the reasons that God conned me and tricked me into being a pastor with the possibility that I could experience that in my life, that I could have that. And I'm not going to give up on that. Uh, today, I'm not. Ask me tomorrow, I might be given up on everything. Like, you now, I've heck with it, you know. <laughs> I quit. Can I get another job somewhere? <laughs> Who was that was prophesying that about? That they gave some, oh, it was Robert. He gave this person this word about their job and promotion. I was thinking, give me that word. <laughs> I'd love to get a job and a promotion, you know. I would love that. All right, I'm going to hush because i got to get going. I want to read John 14, 21 to you. It's, I love these, these verses. John 14 is one of my most favorite chapters in the Bible by far. I just love, love John 14. I, I, just, could, I just read it when I get down. Because there's so much in it. And this is one of the beautiful verses uh, amongst many in that chapter. And it says, He who has my commandments and keeps them is he who loves me. I could tell there's some lovers of God in here this morning in worship. And I also could tell there was some people who have been forgiven much. You know what I'm saying? Isn't that what Jesus said? He who forgives much loves much. I was having that feeling doing worship. I was having that feeling of how much God has forgiven me. And it really made me want to love on Jesus and give him honor because I just think that's such an important thing. And he who's forgiven little loves little. The problem is everybody's been forgiven much. We just don't always know it. I pray God to open our eyes to see how much he has forgiven us. Not only in our life before Christ, but even in the, the messes that we make uh, uh, you know, in our life in Christ, growing in Him. But, and He who loves me will be loved by my Father. Isn't that beautiful? That's talking about the Father, the Father being revealed to a person. And I will love Him, and I will manifest myself to Him. I will manifest. He didn't say, I'll think about it. I will manifest myself. So one of the greatest privileges that we have as children of, of King Jesus, of, of the Father, brothers, of, brothers and sisters of King Jesus, little brothers, little sisters that we are, and we have this daddy in heaven, one of our great privileges is that he has absolutely promised us that he will lead us and guide us through this life if we will allow him. It's a promise from heaven. And, it's, and I love, uh, you know, I'm talking about divine guidance. I actually like, there's another term I like a little bit better than divine guidance. Because, you know, that sounds to me a little far off. Does it sound a little far off to you, divine? Divine sounds just way away from me. I feel real human. I think I'm supposed to because I am a human. I don't, I don't disregard my humanity but I feel uh, this word, Becky was, was bringing it up, is uh, counsel. The counsel of the Lord. Don't you love that? The, don't that word, the counsel. And actually in the Bible, when it talks, about, uh, it talks about God and guidance, it's talking about the counsel of the Lord. It's the same word. If you go back and study it in the, in the original language, that's, it, could, it could be translated counsel or guidance. Not necessarily God that was canceled like the ones in school who didn't always give you good advice. Because let me just tell you about a guy that was counselor I knew who made a terrible mistake. He tried to convince my wife not to marry me. <laughs> I'm serious. They found out Becky was going to get married right after high school, and they immediately called her in and said, we will help you get into any college you want to go to. Just don't marry that guy. <laughs> it's a mistake. Well, they were wrong. And I would tell them that today. You know, 
Amen. Too bad Becky ain't in here. But I'll tell you, the Lord's guidance, His counsel facilitates His presence. That's, that's, that's the, probably the greatest benefit that we have when we begin to submit our lives to the counsel of the Lord, the guidance of the Lord, the leadership of the Lord, is He promises His presence. That's what uh, John 14, 21. He's promised us this presence in our life. If we will allow Him to begin to speak into our lives and begin to guide our life and begin to tell us the direction. Now, that does not guarantee a life of no difficulty. That does not guarantee a life without darkness. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Because that is not a life that we find in the Bible anywhere. Uh, the greatest people that we know in the Bible experienced times of trouble. Uh, they were, we were actually uh, promised the valley of the shadow, right? We're, we're given that, but we're also told that there's going to be somebody there. There's going to be somebody that won't leave us. Are you all hearing what? And God wants to get us to the place that when we're in that place of darkness, that we can look forward and see there's a light out there. And we'll come back into a place of light. So no matter where you find yourself today, you could be walking in some darkness. You could be walking in some pain and sorrow and disappointment or difficulty, however it, however it works out. There is light in front of you if you'll keep walking with him, if you'll not desert him, if you'll not forsake his love if you'll not become angry with him. And the reason I'm saying that, I've been around long enough to watch people, okay? And what I've seen is this. Those who continue, despite their troubles, despite their sorrows, their life turns out better than those who don't. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Their life turns out better. God will be with them. Uh, and I'm one of the greatest examples of that of God blessing my life, and if I can't imagine my life without following the Lord uh, the way I've been able to follow Him. And I'm not saying I'm the guy who follows the Lord the best on any level. In fact, I think my, I think my following of the Lord is somewhat dismal. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's not great. It's not up to par the way I would want it to be. But I feel like God still is beckoning me, and God doesn't let go of me. There's been moments where I feel like I've let go of God, but I, He just never would let go of me. You know, He's stuck on me. He stuck with me when I didn't always stick with Him the way I should have, when I became upset or when I became depressed, or and I don't suffer with depression, but you know what I'm saying. I'm just trying to be truthful with y'all. I think we need to get truthful in the church. Anyways, well, that was the introduction to this message. <laughs> I took a long time to say that, didn't I? Okay, I wanted to read Psalm 32, verse 8 through 9. This is a beautiful scripture. Uh, and if you read the psalm, let me just tell you the background on the psalm, which makes it even more intriguing. It is King David, King David wrote this psalm, and guess what? The experience that he was reflecting back on, guess what it was? It was adultery. It was contract murder. That And this is part of how, what he wrote. We tend, tend to think of Psalm 51. Oh, creating me a clean heart. Yeah, that was the moment. That was in the moment. This is him reflecting on what he went through. And, how, and if you read the whole psalm, it's absolutely amazing uh, what he reflects and what he learned through that experience about the about the nature of the Lord. It's a beautiful psalm. I read the whole thing this morning because somebody sent it to me this morning actually. They didn't know I was going I'm just going to read these two verses here. And it says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule which have no understanding which must be harnessed with bit and bridle else they will not come near you. So here's the, this verse that tells us three things. It tells us, and, and there's a distinction between instruction, 
teaching and guidance, biblically speaking. There really is a, a distinction. Most, uh, let me just put it like this. D- instruction is like one way. Instruction is God speaking to you. God, is, is God revealing something to you? Is God telling you something about himself, about his ways? Okay? That's what it is. An explanation, perhaps. It's just that. It's, it's like a teacher telling somebody how to do math problems. They're just standing there telling them how to do it. But teaching is more when, when, when there's an interaction between the student and the, te- and the person giving the instruction. Teaching is when God, is what the Holy Spirit does. He comes alongside us and helps us to take what God's word to you, whether it's the written word of God or it's a prophetic word or whatever it may be, it's the Holy Spirit coming alongside. This is what real teaching in the Bible is. It's not a, just a gift that somebody has. It's actually where the Holy Spirit comes in your life and begins to help you sort through and walk this thing out. He comes alongside, the Bible says, The Holy Spirit comes alongside of us and helps us to walk out what we believe the Scriptures teach, what we believe our Christian life should look like, our dreams, our hopes, our everyday life, our marriage, our friendships. He's the one who will help you work through these issues. And that's what, so you have instructions. It's part of what we need to get guidance from the Lord, to get counsel from the Lord. We need that. We need all three, and we we need guidance. I wanted to read this verse here, which I think is, a, a, I love this verse. It's a very well-known verse. It's James 1, through 25. Are y'all good? Yeah. We're talking about the counsel of the Lord, just in case I didn't make that clear. This is what James said, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, only deceiving yourself. See, he's talking about a deception, there's a deception that gets on people, that rests on people because they're just hearers. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his face in a natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what, how, how ugly he is. <laughs> how many bad looks, things, scars, and how bald you are, and how gray your beard has become, and you're hiding scars with that beard. He forgets all that. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, listen, and continues in it, and is not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work. This is important. A doer of the work. This one will be what? Blessed in what he does. Blessed in what he does. See, Christianity was never made just to be a hearer. It's really not. If we're not doing something that we believe that God has spoken to us, then we're missing the mark in life. And here's this. We're not only missing the mark, we're missing the blessing. We're missing the blessing that God wants us to walk in. And God really wants to bless people. That, he's, he's richly in, in, uh, and deeply has involved himself to bless humanity. But here, here James has told us the way you tap into that blessing, not the only way, but a big way we tap into it is doing what the Word of, Word of God teaches us to do, what the Word of God reveals about God and what God wants us to do with our life. And I think that's really amazing. And, and doing is more than a one-time act of obedience. It's not, that's what he says. It's, it's, a, it's a continual thing. We continue with the Lord. We continue following Him. And, and many times it doesn't make sense for us to do what God has asked us to do, it runs, it's going to run counter to popular culture, and it will run counter to popular Christianity. If you had to settle that, if you really want to follow the Lord, you can't flow with the crowd out there, the Christian crowd even. I'm serious about that. You know? It's not, no, it's, it really is all right. It's, a mind, it's, it's not a mindless action but rather doing from a heart of love. It comes out, it's a relational thing. Okay? It's not mindless, it's relational. And everything in the Bible is relational. Everything that God does is relational. That's why he says the Father. Father's relational. Jesus is a brother. Um, and, and he said, I'll guide you with my eye. That's what I feel about guidance is, is or our counsel with my eye. It's, that speaks of closeness, Right? And, and it speaks of a relationship. In other words, every parent here knows 
when you had your children that you could look at them a certain way and they knew exactly what you were thinking. Right? They knew, like, if I don't stop, I'm dead. I mean, I'm going to get killed by my dad because he's looking at me with blood murder in his eyes. He's so furious with me, but he's trying to behave because we're in public. <laughs> Ask any of my kids about that. Gosh, dad gave me a bad look. Well, you can, it's the same thing with your spouse. So you're so close to somebody, you can look at them and tell what they're thinking. If they're approving of how you're acting or disapproving of how you're acting. Becky can just look at me and like, mm, I, bet I need to stop. Because she's going to be scolding me later. I wish Becky was in here to hear that. Because I look at her all the time and she just looks away. <laughs> you know? So what we look at, y'all, really, uh, what we look at, what we focus has huge impact on us. Huge impact. I want to read another well-known scripture, and this is a very powerful scripture. I love that these scriptures are just, to me, they're like well-worn scriptures. Everybody knows them, but there's so much revelation packed in them. You know the story. We all know the story. One of the famous stories in Matthew 14 Peter walking on the water. I mean, who, who doesn't know that? There's been a billion books written on Peter walking on the water. There's thousands of sermons, probably. I've never heard one just on it, but there's, there's prophetic power on these verses right now. That's how I feel. When I read this, I feel this, it's, it's like the unction of the Holy Spirit is on him, and he's trying to communicate something to us. Okay, and, and, and so they're in the storm. The Lord's walking on the water, and, and it's at night. Has anybody ever been to the Sea of Galilee? It's a big place. It's like a big old place. I mean, it's huge. And there's storms on that Sea of Galilee, like in the ocean. I mean, it's pretty serious. We rode on the place. You know, we were out there where they were at, probably. I'm pretty sure they took us where, where this happened because we're us, right? And, and God wanted to make sure we went where it was at. We went on this boat. You wouldn't have believed it. It, it was amazing. But so the Lord's out there walking, and, and uh, they were afraid, you know, oh, it's a ghost, you know. Tell you something about their mindset then, right? It's a ghost. They were afraid. Would y'all be afraid if you saw somebody walking in the water at night? <laughs> I would t- or just even walking on air <laughs> in the middle of the day, I'd be scared. Like, whoa, something ain't right about that. So that ain't right, God. Ain't nobody should be walking on water, right? But the Lord said, don't be afraid, it's me. And then it says in verse 28, and Peter answered, if, it, if, that's a big word, command me to come to you on the water. If it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. All these words are important. These are really important words. Come. And when Peter had come down, everybody say come down. That's, that's very important. Out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Wow. But when he saw, everybody say saw. When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And we know the rest of it. The Lord grabbed him and immediately they got in the boat. and Everybody's cool. But here's the thing. Okay. God wants to guide us with, a, with, with his eye. It, it's a relational thing, but you've got to, you got to put your eye on him. Okay, this is, this is the thing. You've got to look to him. You, if you look at the circumstances, you are going to get sucked down. We're living in a scary time. Aren't we? I don't like when the time we're living. It seems scary to me. I'm scared about what's going to happen to our country. I don't like what's going on in our country on any level. Plus, you add what's going on in the rest of the world to it, it's like, oh, my gosh. We're, we're in trouble. We're in big trouble in our country, y'all. I mean, major league trouble. We are slim trouble. But it hasn't gotten this way without God knowing. And God has plans of his own that will. And we're, that's the thing we're going to tap into. But if we... Put our focus on those things. We're going to sink. And that's what I see has happened to a lot of really amazing Christians. So caught up in what's going on in the world that their nose is barely above the circumstances. They're so, they're so beat down, worn down. And it's because we've, we've looked too much. Now, I'm not saying ignore any of that. We need to pay attention so we can pray 
and begin to learn how to speak to the storms, speak to the circumstances. We, we, that's important for us to do, but we can't put our focus there. We mustn't put our focus there. So here's what can happen to us. Here's what I believe the Lord wants to do. I believe the Lord is going to call, is calling the church out. I believe he wants us to walk on the water. That's, I'm talking about walking in, in, in ways we can't, it's going to take something supernatural. Okay? It's going to take super, something supernatural. But it's going to be scary. And number two, and the other thing is this. If you're not listening, if you're not focusing on that person, you're not even going to hear him tell you to come. You're going to miss the call. You're going to miss his voice that says, I need you to come out here now. I know you're afraid, but I'm out here. And if you'll come out here where I'm at, you're going to be okay. But if you stay where you are, that boat that you're in is sinking and you don't even know it yet. Your boat is sinking. The boat's sinking, y'all. It's sinking. And you've got to be able to step out into something more that's going to require you to trust his voice. And trust him that whatever you're stepping on is going to hold you up. It's really the word of God that's going to hold you up. It's hearing that voice. He said, come, then we're going to be fine because the word that he spoke is what, what upheld us. But here's the other thing. It, it, this is important. This is important for us, okay? I said that too many times. It said, Peter had come down. Everybody say, come down. Come down. This is a time where we've got to hum be humble. That's what he's talking about. It's, I'll tell you this. You will not ever enter into anything that God's doing without humility. God requires us to humble ourselves. He requires us to defy natural reason and logic. And it's not easy to do that, by the way, what I'm saying to you. It's hard for all of us all the time. It's hard to humble yourself. It's hard to take a step down when you, when you feel like literally you're taking a step down. You feel like you're stepping down from where you were that was a good place, a, a nice place, a safe place. You were protected there. And now you've got to put yourself in a situation where you might feel exposed. And it don't feel so protected. But the truth is, it's the most safe place in the world is to come when he says come. Are, are y'all with me on this? And I think that's where we are. We're headed towards something that we're going to have to walk on the water. We're going to have to, to flow in the supernatural. We're going to have to have this anointing of God working in our life like we've never had. Yeah, help us, Lord. And uh, we've got to just keep our eyes on the Lord when we, as we step into these things. This is, this is vital for us. And I, I, think it's, it, I think it's vital for our, for our more vi maybe more vital for our children and our grandchildren. It, it, they may be the ones that ultimately fully live this, but they got to have somebody that they can look to. They got to have some people that they can say, I saw him do it. I saw his hide sink a couple of times, but he kept popping back up like a cork. Somehow God did something to that man. I, I think I can do it. They had a man out there walking on the water. The disciples, they had a man, Jesus, walking on the water. They thought, hey, he's a man, I'm a man. Because they saw the manhood of God. So, anyways, here's another little key out of that Psalm 32 I love. Uh, don't be stubborn, okay? Because if you are stubborn, you ever heard the phrase stubborn as a mule? Like my mama used to tell me that all the time. Boy, you're stubborn as a mule. Now, you can decide how this thing's going for you. Don't you love a parent that gives you choices? I'm always messing with my grandkids. I said, you can, do either do, you can either do what I'm telling you or you can get a whipping. You get to choose. Now, I'm not going to whip them because I don't whip my grandkids. You know, like, you can stop fussing or I'm going to call your daddy. Which one you want? Don't call my daddy. <laughs> you know, and so God gives us these choices. And he talks about a mule and a horse, and I think horse is a little more trainable than a mule. I don't, I've never heard the term uh, stubborn as a horse, but I don't like horses because horses are not, they do have a will. I, the one time I was on a horse, had a, let me tell you about this stupid horse I was on. <laughs> I was riding this horse, and all of a sudden this horse started acting really weird. I mean, bad weird. And it got so weird, this horse threw me off. I mean, literally bucked me off and took, there was this little pond there, and he took off. 
into that pond and swam across the pond to this other horse. There was another horse on the other side. And I found out this later. Like, why did you put me on a male horse? And there was a girl horse over there that was... And literally, that's what happened. Like, off you go. I got business. That was the last time I ever got on a horse because they're big and they're strong and it's hard to control them. But they, even horses that are so trainable, you can put a bit and bridle in their mouth and force them. And the Lord warns us, don't be like that because you know what the bit and bridle for us is? It's our circumstances. It's our circumstance. And if we won't allow the Lord to lead us, then he says, then you'll be driven by circumstances. Circumstances will control your, your future. Circumstances will con- control the t- trajectory of your life. So he was warning us. And, and David, David, that's what David was reflecting that. Because he became stubborn for the word of the Lord and he suffered greatly over it. And it was a, a tremendous warning. This, this is important. Yes, it is. All right, let me read another verse to you. Bit and bridle, circumstance. Waves, boisterous waves, circumstances. Are you going to allow the boisterous waves of this world to control you? Because if you are, then you have a bit and bridle in your mouth. And that's what's leading you. That's what's directing your life. Is that what you want? No, of course you don't. Because if you did, you wouldn't be sitting in here. But there's a lot of people out there, that's what they're doing. And God wants to free them from that bit and bridle. He wants to get it out of their mouth. And get them into the, to, to the word of the Lord. Let me read this 1 Corinthians 4.15. Okay. This is powerful. Because this is a very relational part of what God wants to, for the church to have. Okay. It's really huge. For though you might have 10,000 instructors. You know what that word instructor there means? In the original language. This is what it means. Boy. Boy. Tutor. Boy tutor. It was a boy servant that was assigned to take his master's kids to school. That was his job. And Paul's reflecting on that. He said, you can have 10,000 of those. They're going to get you to school. They're going to get you home. Okay? He said, you can have 10,000 of them in Christ. That's the crazy thing about it. He's not talking about in the world. He's talking about in Christ. We can have all these boy, immature people instructing us, talking to us, giving us input. Okay? But then he says something. Yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. And see, that's what Paul's heart was. He wanted to transcend what... We're getting today. We're getting boy instructions. We're getting boy prophets speaking to us. I think that word that Marlon gave was a powerful word that God really wants to to release, raise up prophetic, true prophetic voices, not boy prophetic. And there's nothing wrong with being a boy prophet. You you know, you got to start somewhere or a boy preacher, but you need something more than just that. And what Paul's talking about here, he's talking about something that's very relational. It's those who've gone before me and you that have walked with God and that have experienced God and have allowed God to deal with them that can come alongside of us and speak into our life and begin to show us the way. And I'll tell you something, they will have a huge impact on the overall direction of your life. Even if they speak into your life for a short season, the rest of your life can be totally impacted and and directed by a spiritual father or mother in Christ. It can set the DNA of your heart where you you have something in you that was imparted to you and given to you by that person. It's more than just them teaching you something. It's them giving you something that God has given them. Are y'all following me? And, and some of us in this room have had people like that in our life that we've received something from. And it has totally set the course of our life spiritually. 
It's like it's the thing that spoke the DNA into us that God ordained for us to have. Or maybe, maybe a better word to say is, is it awakened that DNA. It awakened who we are, you know. And whether they were with us for a little season, you know, and it can be more person for sure. Let me read this, what Paul said in Romans 1.11. Because he's speaking as a father here. He's not speaking as a preacher. He's not speaking as a missionary. For I long to see that I may, what, impart to you some spiritual gift so that you, what, may be established, established in the way you're supposed to go. He had this longing in his heart to get to these Romans and impart what God put in him because he knew there were spiritual children there. He knew it and they needed what he had. They needed it because he knew his time on earth was limited. He knew he was going to come to the end of his road and he would be done. And he would no longer be there. But the beautiful thing was, Paul wasn't trying to leave a legacy. He was was trying to leave people with what he had. The truth and the thing that God put in him. And we've got to have those in the church. We must have those people. And we should be crying out to the Lord. Lord, we need the fathers and the mothers in the body of Christ to begin to rise up. To begin to rise up. Y'all just sitting there looking at me. You know. I got to finish here, but but I'll tell you this. You know, I guess one of the things that really made me think about this is like, you know, some of us, okay, uh, had spiritual fathers and mothers And recently, like the last one that was left alive, I mentioned it last week, in my life, died, who I would consider a true spiritual father in my life, Harry Bazell. And these were the people who, in my youth, completely changed my whole spiritual direction. I mean, completely to this day. I think I mentioned it last week. They ruined me in a good way. They ruined my life. I would never be satisfied with status quo Christianity. I would just, it's something, if I would try to be, I'm going to do this, this is easier, this is better, because everybody likes it. No, and you could try to do it for a while, but there's something inside you just would not let you do that. Y'all know what I'm talking about? There's something that just in you that you will never rest until that thing is allowed to come forth. And, I, and we have some people in here that I would definitely say are spiritual fathers and mothers. Several people, actually, a lot of people. And I believe God is going to employ you. That's what I believe. I believe God's fixing to put people to work, fathering people, mothering people in the faith, giving them what they need. Well, let me read this last one. I'm going to stop. It's Colossians 3.15. This is another famous scripture, but it's such a hard one because it's so subjective. It's the peace of God. Okay? (laughs) I'm telling you. It says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are also called in one body and be thankful. So let me first say this. There's a difference between the peace of God and peace with God. Big difference. In Christ, we have peace with God. Everybody in this room, if you're in Christ, you have peace with God. But I promise you, that does not mean you have the peace of God. The peace of God has something to do with the direction of your life, the decisions and choices you're making. Okay? The peace of, the peace of God has to follow the peace with God. You can't have, ultimately, you will never have the peace of God unless you have peace with God. So, I believe... And, you know, you know the, the wall of separation has been torn down in Christ. We don't have that. There's peace between us and God. God has no argument with you. He has no issue with you. That's been settled. It's been settled. You don't have to live in guilt or shame. All that's been settled. You just have to, all you got to do really is confess. Lord, I'm so wrong. I was such a jerk. I should have never said that to Becky, Lord. I'm sorry. That's all you got to do. When you do that, God takes care of that. He cleanses your evil conscience, your heart from an evil conscience. That's what the scripture, he cleanses it with the blood of Jesus. That's over with. Now you can move on. Your conscience is no longer bothered. Right? That's how that thing works. That's how the blood of Jesus works for believers. It, clean, it doesn't cleanse our heart. It cleanses our heart from an evil conscience. Read, read I think that's Hebrews 6. Just read it. That's what it says. 
And that's why, why your faith, just by the way, your faith will not work if you have an evil conscience, a guilty conscience, a conscience that's bothered. Your faith can't work with that going on, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, I tried to have faith when my conscience was bothering me. And it just, it's like your faith leaks out onto the ground. But if you allow the blood and trust the blood to cleanse your heart from evil conscience, then you can... Have faith. You can operate. You can see into the Spirit. You can, whatever you need to do, you can do it by faith. You know, your faith's working. But um, let me just say this about the peace of God. The Word of God, I'm going to say this, just plain slim. The Word of God is not sufficient to make all your decisions in life. In other words, there's nothing in the Bible that tells you which job you should take. Or tells you where you should live. Is there? Because that would be a big old Bible. It had to be a personal Bible for everybody in the room. Everybody had to have their own personal Bible. That would tell you, okay, tomorrow this is what you need to do. You need to get your hide up an hour early and pray. <laughs> and then when you get ready to go to work, you need to quit being so snotty towards those people you work with just because they're acting vile. It doesn't have any of that in there. You know? So what God has given us that works with the Word of God is the peace of God. And that word there, he says, let the peace of God rule, is, can be translated arbitrate or umpire. I personally like the umpire word because that seems to work better in my life. You're safe or you're out, pal. <laughs> you start acting that way, you're out. Go sit on the bench. You'll sit around rotten until you're rotten on the pines. Y'all remember that? <laughs> That's why athletes, like they're not playing, they're sitting on the bench. We call it rotting on the pines because they're sitting there rotting away while everybody else is getting play. Stacy knows that term. <laughs> well, so the, the peace of God is meant to tell us if we're okay or we're not okay. And so here, but here's the thing. It can come in many different ways, the peace of God can. You see, I can't tell you how it should come in your life how you'll know you're operating on peace or not, okay? I know by default. In other words, if I start getting out of the peace of God, that's when I feel this unrest coming inside of me, okay? So it's not like I'm always conscious of the peace of God day in and day out. Does that make sense? Because that's the tricky part of it. But I will tell you this. The three worst mistakes that I've ever made in my life as a believer came because of this reason. I felt the peace of God telling me no about something. But I convinced myself and pushed that voice because for me, the peace of God is the best way I can describe it. It was Elijah when he said he heard a gentle blowing. Remember that? Outside that cave, he had all this wild stuff happening earthquakes and fires and all this crazy stuff. And it kept saying that, but the word of the Lord wasn't in any of those. And he stepped out and he said, the word of the Lord came like a gentle blow and a, a whisper. And that's the way it kind of feels in me. I'm describing me, okay? I don't know how it should feel in you, but I'm just saying I've thought about this so much because I have gotten, I got burned three times in my life bad because that little gentle force was telling me No. But I convinced him. Now, listen, I'm not talking about sinning. I wasn't going to commit a sin. I wasn't going to do a bad thing. Actually, I was going to do something I believed that God had spoken to me. I was going to do something I believed God had called me to do. Are y'all following me? But the little voice was saying no, because that is not the way God was going to do it. And it, or it wasn't the time that God was going to do it. And God let me walk down this road three times in my life where I felt, I felt hurt. I was very hurt. I was hurt spiritually. I was emotionally. I hurt other people. Okay? I hurt. I had this pain in me. I had this sorrow in me. It made me question, did I ever hear God? Or do I know how to hear God? Or should I be even following God? But the truth was, I did hear him. Looking back, I've analyzed it over and over. I did hear that little voice in me. I just convinced myself, talked myself, 
or let some other people, you hear me? Let some other people, godly people, people that I respected, people who I thought had the word of the Lord, I let them convince me that what they were saying was God and what that little voice in me was telling me wasn't him. And so I walked down this path in life and I got messed up. Are y'all hearing me? Let me read one more scripture to you. I got to stop because Becky's going to be mad. She's already left. Mad. No, she hasn't left. Her stuff's still there. I don't know where she's hiding at. She's hiding because she's scared. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Becky ain't scared of nothing. Listen, Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. I walk down the way that seems right. The death was, for me, was loss. The death of me was hurt. Okay? The end of it didn't turn out well. It didn't turn out nothing. In fact, it was a loss of dream. It was a loss of vision. It was a loss of going after something I believe God really called me to do. In all three cases, it delayed it. It delayed it. It took me down a road I didn't need to go down. Are y'all hearing me? And I think that's, we've got to learn, I, I get, this is to me the last line of defense. I call it my last line of defense with God is the peace. You know, I can mess up, you know, oh, I misheard the Lord, I misapplied the Lord. I can go through all this, but boy, when it comes to that, that's the last thing that God has, you know, that he's speaking to me where I'll hear him. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I learned a lot, some hard lessons from those three things, but the problem was I didn't learn it well enough because I did two of them, like uh, what I'll call pre, pre, you know, pre-2000 and one of them post-2000. You hear what I'm saying? Like I didn't learn it, but they were so different in the way they worked out. But the common thing in all three, when I go back to them, was I didn't obey the peace of God inside of me. I didn't. I convinced myself not to. I talked myself out of it because what I wanted, I wanted this thing. I believed in this thing. I was going to do this thing. And it just wasn't God. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. Now, I probably, you know, I don't say God would do that all the time. But I think God allowed that. Like, okay, then I'm going to use this to teach you some lessons, son. I'm going to, I'm going to use this in your life. And it's going to turn out for good for you. Right? Because it, the Bible promises us that. But you didn't have to go through it. If you'd have listened, if you'd obeyed those, the peace, you wouldn't have had to go on through that pain and that sorrow that you went through. And one of them resulted in quite a significant financial loss for me. It wasn't just on a emotional thing. It hurt me majorly financially. You hear what I'm saying to you? And so God wants to protect us from stuff like that. God... God's a father. He's relational. He wants to guide us with us. He wants to, us to begin to commit ourselves to letting the peace. And I think as we move forward in the new world that we're living in, the new, the new agenda, the new program that's running right now, the new operating system of the world, we're going to need the peace more and more. You know? I promise you there's been times I'm going to stop. But I, I think a lot about over in uh, back when they were having all these uh, suicide bombers in Israel. Remember a few years ago, you know, there would be a cafe blow, blown up. There would be a bus blown up. I promise you if you was a believer over then, then oh, i got to go to the grocery store today, that you would hesitate and begin to dial in to the Holy Spirit. Like, should I be out today? Should I take this bus today? You know, or should I walk today? There could be a time in our life when, when it's down to that critical of a thing. And so we're in a time where we can begin to allow the Holy Spirit to do this in our hearts now. Amen? All right, y'all stand up. Marlon, come on back up here. Let Marlon wrap this thing up. But I want to pray for you right quick um, and tell you um, something's good. Okay, I wish I could think of something good to tell you. <laughs> Uh, thank you, Lord. Let me just tell you what is good is God. Yeah. And God's faithful. Yeah. And God, every morning, His mercies are new. 
Every day, God's love is right there for you. No matter what you did the day before, God wants to reach out to you. And you could, you could be like me. Oh, I have messed up some stuff, Lord. Bad. I've made some bad choices, Lord. And the Lord's right there like, listen, I'll get you through it. Let me just start today. Submit to me. Allow me to begin to be your, your uh, counselor. Let me be your guide. Let me just say, if you want that, say, Lord, I want that. I want you. I want to walk in the counsel of the Lord. I want to walk in the counsel of the Lord. And so, Father, I'm asking you today for, for us as a church that we walk in the counsel of the Lord. Lord, we're not interested in church as usual. We're not interested in just keeping doing the same thing. We want to walk in the counsel of the Lord. That's what we're asking you for. We're asking you as a, as a body, but we're also asking you individually. And I, I pray for these families and people who are making choices and decisions about their family. You know, all these things that we have to make. I just ask you, Father, for the counsel of the Lord to be released, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, mm, I feel this is what I believe God wants to do so much. I, I feel like he's, man, I just feel this so much. It's, he not only wants us personally, but he wants this church to be like a pool of the counsel of the Lord where people could come who desperately need the counsel of God in their life, who are at the end of their rope, who are broken beyond measure, who shattered. And the counsel of the Lord is the only thing that's going to get them through. I believe God wants to create a pool where people can drink that and drink it deep. Lord, we're asking you to do that. Lord, we're thanking you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Byer. Hey, that's a timely word, ain't it? You know, and one thing that I, that I was seeing while he was preaching was, you know, I saw the Holy Spirit with a jug of water just pouring, and there was all this greenery that was busting forth. And I felt like that's something that was growing in us as he was speaking. You know, it's a woolly, timely word. Thank you, Byron. So, um, I'm not going to keep you guys long. So, if we can have the ministry team come up, if you want any further prayer, please, Avail yourself of that opportunity. Uh, if not, may the Lord bless you, keep you, may his face shine upon you, and may his grace never stop chasing you. And may his love absolutely keep on expanding in you. Amen? All right, enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a good one.